I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today on Fairy God Boss Radio, I'm talking to Beth Webster, the former head of human resources at TD Bank. Romy, thank you so much for having me. So Beth, tell us all about you. How did you start your career and how did it lead to what you do now? Ah, uh, so it's such an interesting question. So, you know, my career started really um, rather serendipitously. I was in business school, I was at Boston College, and there was a uh, board that, you know, listed all of the people that were coming to interview the, the uh, business school graduates. In those days, yes, it was a board, it was not automated. And so there was a consulting company that was being that was coming, and they were four blocks from our apartment. That was what drew me to them. And I love it. it. Geographical proximity. What could be more important? Exactly. Being able to walk to work in Boston doesn't get any better than that. But it is it is through that, you know, serendipitous uh, move that I really started my career in financial services. I began, you know, it was a consulting role, and my area of specialization were regional brokerage firms. And so, so that was how it all began. And I have Excellent. stayed in financial services my entire career. That's fantastic. And you've, you've sort of changed your specialization, though. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, the funny story about the changing of the specialization was I had, I was, after the consulting assignment, I was recruited to financial services company in Boston. And the man that recruited me, um, who also was the greatest mentor uh, I have ever had and still have, he changed jobs in that organization. And he went on from, um, he went on to run the operations and systems area of the company. And this was big, and it was over a billion dollars in uh, spend. So it was a very big part of the organization. And he said to me, um, I would like you to come and be my head of HR. And I said to him, well, I don't know anything about technology, and I don't know much about HR. Other than that, you know, I'll be a perfect fit for the role. And he but you, said, you took it. You know, <laughs> I, I did. Um, and he said, you know how to fix things, and this place is broken, and I want you to help me fix it. And that was how I went to HR. And I was in HR most of my time in that organization with a couple of small detours. Um, but the, I guess the thing that has always been um, a part of my career decision is when I've been tapped on the shoulder and asked to do something for the good of the organization. I've always done it. And many of those, as you well know, take you out of um, whatever comfort zone you might have had. And so I I that has served me well. Once I got to hear Ursula Burns, who used to be the CEO of uh, Xerox speak, and she said the exact same thing. She said she was tapped on the shoulder for something that she never would have considered, and yet she accepted it. And then it led to her becoming the CEO. So there you yes. have it. <laughs> yes. Um, 
That's awesome. And so you pick, you just learn to, through doing, which is it's so important to remember that we're all equipped to take on roles that we, we don't have a, pa- a background in and we haven't done before. There's many ways to learn new skills. That's absolutely so, right. And, you know, and, and Romy, the same principles kind of apply, um, yeah. you know, which is that you get in, you learn the business, um, you, you understand uh, the team with whom you're working, you understand what's important to them, you figure out what the challenges are. You know, the skills, the skills are the same sort of regardless of whatever you get thrust into. That's right. Absolutely. So, so tell me, now today you are the head of HR for an enormous bank. Um, what does that look like? What is, what is your role in Compass and wh- what keeps you up at night? So, um, you know, my role, I'm responsible for the United States Bank for TD Bank, um, America's most convenient bank. And uh, I am responsible for, you know, all of the uh, talent development and training and operations and compensation and, you know, sort of all of those parts of, uh, of human resources. And my, my role, as I see it in the role of HR, to build strong organizational capability so that TD can execute um, the business strategy and serve our customers. And I, I firmly believe that employee engagement is what drives your customer engagement. If you have employees... I've heard you say that, that before. I love this connection you make. I think it's so essential. Say more. Well, and it, it is essential because it, you have to have employees um, that believe in what it is that you're trying to do. And they have to be engaged in that process. They have to believe in the direction of the organization. They have to believe in the values of the organization. And when they do, their commitment and the quality of their work is spectacular. That translates into customer um, customer satisfaction, customer engagement. Uh, it is in TD language. It is all about delivering um, a legendary customer experience. We want our customers to feel when they when they deal with us that they have had an experience better um, than any other. I love that, and I think it's so important um, to think about that as you're building an HR strategy. Now, let's talk a little bit about gender equality, gender diversity. How has gender played a role in your career? And then as a leader in in your position, how do you think about creating an organization that supports gender equality? Sure. So, um, you know, as I said, I've always worked in financial services. And I have found that being a woman has been a significant advantage. From my, you know, from my very first job, I I was the minority. In most cases, I worked with all men, and I played it to my advantage. I had my own style. Um, I was plenty ambitious, and I blended that with empathy um, and compassion. I often had a different point of view, and I spoke up. And I found that my colleagues, the men, they valued it, and they trusted my judgment. You know, I never felt diminished or excluded or not taken seriously, and um, you know, as my career progressed, there were so few women in the industry. 
Um, and the ones that were in the industry didn't support one another. You know, I, I think that there was too much competitiveness uh, given the small number of women uh, that were in the business. And it wasn't until I reached really very senior levels that I felt that shift. And I found that at, the, at, you know, at senior levels, women are very supportive of one another um, and of younger professionals. Um, it's why I'm so committed to mentoring young professionals. I think that women, um, when you have gotten to senior roles, are much more comfortable talking about challenges they've faced and trying to help younger women, you know, manage that as they as they continue to uh, you know grow and develop their careers. And and that's part of why I'm so committed uh, to mentoring young professionals. It you know whatever um, you know bits of little bits of wisdom I can impart, I'm happy to do it. And so do a little know, radio mentoring for us right now. What what advice do you? What is the the kind of most important advice you give to the women in your mentoring? Well, let's see. There are a couple things. I guess the first thing I would say is rule one: do great work. You've got to do great work. You've got to be really, really good at what you do. And I would also advise them, and I say this all, all the time, I think that you know, this notion of work-life balance is a myth. Um, this notion of balance um, is, is too fleeting, and I don't think it's sustainable. I like to talk about work-life integration and that there is no one size that fits all. And I try to help um, younger people, women and men, to say integration means doing great work, doing what you need to do, where you need to do it, without sacrificing um, quality um, and you know, great deliverables. And it gives us the, the grace and the space to be human. And it's especially important for people who have always on jobs, as so many of us do. And it empowers people to integrate their lives with their work should they choose to do that. You know, just silly little examples. You know, if my dogs bark when I'm on the phone, um, you know, on a business call, they bark. Um, I can't control when my flight is delayed. I mean, I remember right. years mm-hmm. ago... It's, it's a wonder I didn't pop an embolism in an airport when a flight was <laughs> I delayed. That you know, I've, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there is nothing but, you can do. Um, right, but so I, for that I, to work, I, in, I do think it's all about a workplace that is willing to um, focus on deliverables and performance as opposed to uh, what hours you clocked in and clocked out. And and to tell That's us right. about how do you how do you create that workplace? You know, and, and and so what what I have strived to do at TD um, is to say the way people work has changed, but the way we measure performance and tremendous contribution hasn't. Let performance speak for itself. Um, I, you know, just something simple. Uh, early in my career at TD. I um, changed the dress code, and we went to um, you could actually wear jeans to work. And this, you know, this was a, a startling. That must have been 
yeah, it must have been a, a sea change. Oh, Romy, it, it was enormous. So much to the teams. And what I said was, dress for your day. If you're not smart enough to know how you need to be dressed for the day that you have in front of you, you're not smart enough to work here. And I think I can say that never once has anyone been inappropriately attired for their day. And I have also worked hard to encourage uh, freedom of workspace. You know, we've gone to much more open concept um, work space designs and people can work our technology we've made some significant investments so that people can work easily from almost anywhere we all travel so much you have to be able to work in that airport when that flight isn't going to take off Um, and so you know I've gradually been able to show the organization that people are even more productive when they are able to integrate um, their work and their lives. And I think our performance demonstrates um, that we're pretty good at it. Yes. I mean, there's so much written about this idea that more flexibility, more working remotely leads to greater productivity. And yes, it can feel so uncomfortable for many companies to implement. And, and there is value in that interpersonal collaboration that comes when you're in the same place. So it's really, it is impressive um, and important to strike the right tone on that. I think what you find is that with people traveling with the the dispersed locations that you know uh, we have in our organization, if people are never in this even if everybody came into the office every day they're they're not all in the same place and and so that's part of the message that I have been driving here, which is you're not going to see them anyway because they're not in New Jersey or they're not in Boston or they're not in Maine. You know, they're someplace else. And things like um, telepresence and, you know, having the webcam, all of that really helps make, make it live and have people feel very tightly connected. Yes, I agree. So uh, I, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this question. When we talk to women in the workplace, the number one factor that drives job satisfaction is having a, what, a good manager. Talk to us about what you think makes a good manager. So um, I, I think that the manager is the most important position for the engagement of any employee. You know, and, you know, my humble opinion, they're the MVPs. And the, the biggest thing that a manager can do is to create an environment where people want to and can do their absolute best work. You know, in order to do that, a manager has to be able to clearly define direction. You know, without direction, people don't know what they're supposed to do. Um, they don't know what's a good decision, what's a bad decision. There's no touchstone. Um, they've got to provide direction. And in that direction, they have to, to that direction, they have to be able to build commitment and followership so that, you know, here's where we're going and they have to be able to bring people along with them. So they've got to have a clear and compelling story. Yes. 
they've got to have a clear and a compelling story about what they're trying to achieve. They need to understand what their people need, and they need to reward high performance and good behavior. And and these are the things, I mean, it's understanding the needs of the team that they have and meeting those needs. And I think ultimately it takes courage to be a good manager. You know, your teams are watching your every move. Um, They want to see you do what's right. They want to hear you speak up. They want to hear you speak the truth. They want to know you have their back. With that kind of courage, you build trust. And with trust comes the commitment, followership, and people that want to do great work. I love that. And yes, I wholeheartedly agree. It's about having someone who goes to bat for you and helps you uh, clear a path when you're, when you're finding obstacles to your work, for sure. Um, exactly. So, Beth, here's where I put you on the spot. Could you, would you be willing to tell us about a mistake you've made? What did you learn from it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Which one? <laughs> I feel like I make a mistake every week. Um, okay, let me think. All right, here's an example. So in my first head of HR job, as I was talking about a little bit ago, um, where it was a, you know, it was an operations systems big environment, the, one of the serious problems that organization have had was turnover. And that, you know, if you remember the fellow that hired me said, you know, it's really broken, I need you to fix it. Well, one of the things that was really broken was turnover. So during a management committee meeting, I presented, I believe to be the drivers um, of turnover based on my prior experience, based on some interviewing I had done in the organization. And the head of H of operations, who was a, a bit of a curmudgeonly type, shall we say, just ripped me apart in public. Um, you know, what do you know? Your background is from the other side of the business. You don't know anything about technologists. You don't know how they feel about that their roles. That is just the worst. So awful. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was a bad moment. Um, so I thought, all right, um, I know I'm right. I mean, I know that this is what the problem is. And so I thought, okay, I got to find a way to demonstrate to him what these issues are in an approach that he understands as an ops guy. So we did a survey. We gathered data um, and a lot of it. And so I went, you know, we went out um, into the field. We conducted a very significant survey. And I came back uh, to the team and to him with the data sort of laying out what the issues were. He became my greatest ally and advocate. From that day forward, whatever I wanted to do, he was right beside me. And he was a powerful, powerful man in the organization. That's amazing. So what an amazing my, story. And, and my, the lesson from that is know your audience and, and meet them where they are. And so un, important, you know, understand right? it is. It is because you need to persuade them. And so what's that going to take? Like so many things in life, it's all about context. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great. 
All right, well, so we're going to move into our fast five. I'm going to ask you five fun questions so we can get to know you better. <laughs> First, what is your favorite karaoke song? Oh, my goodness. Well, when I try really hard to channel my inner Barbara Streisand, which is never, never any good, yeah, I do have I to say it. it's Don't Rain on My Parade. What a good one. I love it. And I think that says a lot about your personality. What it is does. your favorite way to <laughs> exercise, your body or your mind? Well, I actually try to do both at the same time. So, um, you know, living here in Maine, very early wa- morning walks with my two golden retrievers, Tony and Lucy. That's fabulous, although sometimes it's probably pretty cold. <laughs> yes, it can be. It can be bracing, yeah. as we say. Um, okay. But, I, you know, the fresh air, the quiet of the morning, they're sort of steady pace and, and just happiness and joy for life gives me the space uh, to breathe, to think, to energize me and, you know, give me some exercise for both body and mind. I love it. Yes. Well, the beautiful scenery must help. Who it is does. one person? It does. Yes. Who is one person, dead or alive, that you'd like to have dinner with? Ooh. Um, I think I'd have to say my father. My Aww. father passed away 15 years ago, and if I could have dinner with anyone, it'd be dad. One Aww. more dinner. That is lovely. That's so nice. Uh, what book has had a big impact on your life? Oh, my goodness. Again, um, there have been a lot of them. I guess, you know, probably if I had to pick one, it would be Trinity um, by Leon Uris. And, and, and this wow. is an old one. I read it, I yeah, think, for the first time in early college. Yeah. That's a classic. You know, and the focus of the book um, is on the complexities and conflicts among Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, and the Catholic Church. And, you know, those three groups had such opposing goals, their conflict, their unwillingness to meet, make, you know, to reach any kind of common ground, uh, tore, that, tore Ireland apart. And that has always stuck with me. And um, I've learned to never let conflict get to that point. Um, and yes. I carry that lesson with me all the time, that when people don't try to understand the needs of conflicting um, viewpoints, it can go in a very bad place. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. All right. Uh, So our last of the past five, (laughs) we have a signature exercise at Fairy Godball. Uh, As you probably know, women are sickly less likely to brag. So we ask every woman (laughs) who comes on our podcast to brag. Would you be willing to brag for us? Oh, my. Um, okay, what would you like me to brag about? <laughs> can be personal, can be professional. Tell us something you're really proud of that you've done. Um, okay, I'd say one of the things that I am um, intensely proud about is that um, my house, me, um, is the hub and the center for our family. So uh-huh. I come from that a small so nice. family. I don't have children. I wasn't able to uh, get pregnant. I have one sister. Uh, she has two daughters. And yet 
I've created a space and moments to bring everyone in my family together. Nieces, aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, godparents, second cousins, dogs, I mean all of it. And what others consider extended family, we consider immediate family. We're extremely cohesive. And I take great pride um, in being and maintaining that hub. And by the way, you know, some of the same skills and attributes that are required for creating that hub at home have also enabled my proudest professional accomplishments. I love it. I love it. That's a nice one. Beth, thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Okay. So my, the last thing I will ask you is uh, you shared some really great advice earlier. So if, what is one thing you would like to tell our audience? What is the one thing they should do immediately after hearing this podcast to help advance their career? It is about doing great work. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is make it your career about doing great work, not about the plan. Don't get caught up with questions like, am I on the right path? Am I tracking against my five-year plan? Am I as successful as my grad school peers? Am I on schedule? You know, all those questions that make you crazy. Um, focus on doing great work. And if you're passionate about what you do and you do great work, the rest of it will take care of itself. I love that. And I am inspired to go do some great work. And I hope our listeners are too. Beth, I feel so lucky to have spent time with you here today. Thank you for, your, for, for being here with us and for your ongoing support of Fairy God Boss. We really appreciate it. Oh, Romy, it's my pleasure. And, and I think the work you're doing is so important. I am honored to be a small part of it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Great talking to you. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.